Is there anybody out there? <laughs> Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Brought to you by Coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm your host, Marvelous Greg Mahochko. Over here to this guy, founder and fearless leader. I can't think of something alliterative uh, with the J sound, so we'll just go with John Damn Johnston. <laughs> and down here, terrific Todd Wolverton. We hope that you're doing well. I know I'm doing well. John uh, sent the link, and when he got no response, if you're wondering why we're in space, two-thirds of us, John sent a link, and when nobody arrived to the to the Zoom uh, call, he said, hello, is anybody out there? And that took me to a very special place, John. I was uh, a, a transcended to Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd. So I want to, I want to thank you for taking me back to my younger days. You're welcome. This, this show you, is starting out like a like an NPR episode. <laughs> yes, and now we welcome Todd Wolverton to the show. Todd, how are you? Where are I'm, you? I'm doing just. What fine. color underwear are you wearing? Uh, I think it's blue today. <laughs> I, I I like that you're uh, holed up there in in nameless town. We're not we're not able. To say exactly where for security reasons, uh, we can't say exactly where uh, in Nebraska Todd is. We can say he met some folks uh, the day that we're recording this Wednesday who said they were going to tune in uh, to this episode on Friday. So um, we apologize in advance. <laughs> what are we what are we apologizing for? We're nice people. Most of the time we are. Sometimes. Here's the thing. We're nice people. I think we're nicer when it's not football season. <laughs> um, yeah, but we do. We're outside of February. I'm surprised. Now, maybe it's because I missed half an episode. Todd was gone, something. But I feel like Todd has not been unnecessarily negative uh, over head coach Scott Frost in a while. So we're going to hope that, that that stays. Todd, I know you're in great spirits tonight, so let's just hope that you you keep that positive uh, train a, a rolling, and, and uh, we're gonna. Oh, there we go! Now we're all <laughs> out of this world. Now, if you're just listening to this, the podcast first, first of all, that's great, and and we love you and we thank you. But if you're watching this on YouTube, a lot of this will make a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but it is. It's great to be here with you guys. I did not know if I was going to make a, this week's episode because uh, a half hour ago, I'm still holding one of the twins in my arm and he's like looking up at me and laughing and lifting his head and in no hurry to go to sleep. Three minutes later, I, I sent you guys a message. We're like, all right, I'll be there in five. <laughs> Kids are great. You just never know what to expect. So that's true. Todd, do you have any parenting trips? <laughs> We're parenting just disconnected. We are starting this disconnected. Let's go. Let's get some energy going. Todd, do you have any parenting tips for Craig? D yeah, I do have parenting tips. Woo! We're starting off better. What do you got? 
Don't let your son grow up to be Scott Frost. Oh, oh geez. my God. What wow. the hell? Well, first of all, it's March. It's almost it March. April. Actually, by the time people hear this, it'll be April. So, <sighs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Second, I don't think his kids have any chance of growing up to be Scott Frost because there's already one. And, okay. and they're not named Scott Frost at all, not yeah. in first or middle names. So, I'll tell you what. Here's here's something I learned today, and um, John. Well, both of you guys can, well, to some extent, can appreciate that. This um, I've been accused uh, by my friend John of being a leftist, commie, pinko, um, liberal, and. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll wear that if, if need be to make him feel better about himself. Um, but I have, uh, in my new job, I've been out in a lot of schools and um, been spending quite a few days in, in different Catholic schools. And having not had any experience in my professional career, um, other than coaching <laughs> against kids who represent Catholic schools, um, I've learned a lot. And, you know, I, I think one of the, the huge misconceptions is um, that there's a vast difference between public schools and private schools. And to be quite honest, you know, the, there, there really isn't a lot of difference, but the differences that do exist are really significant. And um, one of the things that has, has truly uh, impressed me is the self-respect that um, teachers are able to instill in uh, kids in these Catholic schools. And, you know, I understand that there's the very strong connection to faith and, and it, that's, that's who they are and they, and they wear that. And, um, but as, I, as I've thought a little bit about it, um, I think maybe one of the biggest disservices that we're doing as parents uh, with, our, with our, our children is that we do not help them build self-respect. And um, this, this era of entitlement and that it's somebody else's fault and that uh, I am less than someone for whatever reason there might be, or um, I'm going to allow people, I'm going to give away you know, my ability to feel good about myself because of what other people say. Um, that's, that's handcuffing a whole generation of kids. And there, there's no reason at all why we have some of the social and emotional problems that we have with young people today, when as parents, um, we could do a heck of a lot better job of helping our kids be comfortable in their own skin, recognizing who they are, and feeling good about themselves. So there's my parent tip. Well, you know, I, I don't know what to say to that. I could say all sorts of things. We could go down this rabbit hole and spend a long time on it, but people would go, what? what? That's not really what you guys do. No, we better talk about Nebraska football or something else. <laughs> but, but I think it's, but to, to your point, Todd, I think it's for there's so many you know, like Instagrams and, and all, all this pressure put on it. And admittedly, not just kids, you know, look at uh, adults, twenties, you know, thirties, whatever new fad diet comes along, things like that to look a certain way, act a certain way. Um, 
it, and it's you know I, I feel bad for kids to an extent i really do feel bad for kids who are growing up in the social media era um mm-hmm. i didn't have to you know so i, I and I, I still felt and sometimes do feel pretty shitty about myself when that was before social media so um yeah I, I feel you know kids got it kids got it tough so just trying yeah, to well, you with, know they got it tough Next thing you go, some fucking guy's telling a joke at the Oscars. Some other guy can't take it. Bam! Violence right there. Right there on national, international television. Are you, are you surprised that Hollywood is responding the way it is about that? Or do you think it's people who, you know, the, the actors, the entertainers, and the, you know, all those folks that are coming out and saying how horrible it was and despicable it was, are they just are they just panning for the audience, or, or do you think that they truly believe that walking up on stage and smacking a guy like that was reprehensible? I think well, they I think, think I I think they well number one I think Chris Rock never expected it, it to happen, and I don't think anybody else on the planet did either. And I think that's the problem is, you know, when you're somebody in that position. Um, I think what you realize when you're in their job, there's the phrase, the show must go on. And for him to just, I'm sorry, people, I brought this up, but, you know, we got to get it out of our system. There isn't a whole shit ton of sports stuff going on. There will be a Nebraska connection at the end, I promise you. (laughs) But, I, you know, number one, when I first saw that, we were watching the Oscars because my wife likes to watch the fashion stuff, you know, and I didn't really have that much interest in it. And I thought, well, there's nothing else on. What the hell? And then that happened. And I immediately went to Twitter because I knew that even though they cut off the American feed, we'd be able to find the feeds from all over the world. And, you know, I showed them that. And my first response was, my God, Chris Rock has to be one of the most professional people on this earth. Because, I mean, he hit him. People are like, well, he slapped him. It wasn't a problem. Okay, you know what? (laughs) <laughs> you you go, I'll tell you what, you go have some guy that's like, I don't know, 45 years old, slap you in the face as hard as he can. And we'll see what you think about that not being a punch. But he stood there. He took that. He didn't even rub his face. He just kind of looked around and went, okay, we're going on. The show must go on. And he just kept going. And I thought that guy is has to be one of the most professional people. And honestly, I think both of both of them, other than the initial hitting him in the face, uh, I thought all of that was handled about better than ninety nine point nine percent of the rest of humanity would have done anything. You know, it didn't continue on after that. It was just kapow and kind of over. And then they went on. So, yes, Greg, it had to be an open hand slap. It had to be. And I'll tell you why. Because paper beats rock. Oh God! You just you waited for that, didn't you? No, I I, I, I did. <laughs> but um, and everybody's like, oh, it was fake. It was you know. But I, I I watched the I think the Japanese feed. Uh, you know, the clip that actually got of, of all places shared in our our coordination Slack chat room, and I watched that, and you could tell Chris Rock had no idea that was coming. And like when I looked at, you know, like if you're acting, I mean, like. I, not trying to disparage anybody, but I don't know if either of those guys are good enough pure actors to be a pull off kind of raw emotion in the moment. 
but like you look at their eyes and their eyes are like glassy and, and kind of watery and, and, and a little bit, uh, you know, not a little bit quite filled with emotion. Um, but it was, you know, it, I didn't watch the setup of it. Like, I don't give a crap about the Oscars. I didn't know the Oscars were going on until I checked Slack and that's what everybody was talking about. So I'm going to check this out. Um, the fact that it's still like the top thing in the news, <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> uh, just means that we, we need to find more important things to talk about. Um <laughs> I don't For know. One, it's still, a, you know what? It's still a, it's a big deal. It really it is. is. But, but, but to you, uh, Todd, I think it was you who asked about, you know, like the, these celebrities in the bubble. Um, I think in the last two days, two thirds of the hosts of the Oscars, Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes came out and said they were traumatized yeah. by the slap. <laughs> oh my God. These people are. And I said, really? Everything. Have you stepped into a bar? <laughs> you know, is it, is it just because it's people, you know, uh, now I guess to, to both of them, they are standup comedians similar to Chris rock. So now do they have to be concerned and do all standup comedians have to be concerned about somebody coming up on stage and, and being unruly? I get that, you know, like saying something, you know, to, to the wrong person in the crowd or, you know, uh, trying to fend off a heckler and then coming up and, and but, I to your point, John. Uh, kudos to Chris Rock. Is I mean, he in the real world that's assault, brother. Uh, and he's you know, I didn't even bother pressing charges. Uh, now to bring that and get our Nebraska Cornhusker conversation started, one of my favorite memes that arose out of this incident. A uh, friend of the show, Josh, shared it, and it was classic Herbie face on Will and new Herbie face on Chris mid slap. <laughs> So uh, for, for the people that long for uh, long for classic Herbie. So, you know, the one neat thing that came out of it is Chris Rock's uh, comedy show sales. His tickets have gone through the roof. I think I've read where one of his tickets were selling for like 81 bucks. And at one show, they went up to $411. So good for him. You know, I like Chris Rock. I think he's funny as hell. I kind of liked Will Smith too. I still kind of like Will Smith. We'll see how he comes out of this. So. Yeah, I, I guess, and I won't go on much about this. I just, I just, I, I, I'm truly saddened by the fact that, you know, a guy goes up on stage on live television and smacks another guy in the face. And, you know, uh, I, I'm, I can't condone that by the same token um, I've been in a few community, uh, comedy clubs from time to time, and I've been around other people. And I think sometimes, you know, um, people want to push those boundaries. And when you say hurtful things, whether it's to get a laugh, um, you know, or you, you, you can't claim that protection of I'm a comedian when you're throwing stuff out that can be personalized and can be hurtful. So, you know, in my opinion, Chris Rock, he was out of the line too. But, you know, by the same token, how many times have we watched award shows with some of the funniest people in the world, cracking jokes and stuff like that? And we all laugh along. And um, it's, it's too bad it happened. And I really hope that we don't see 
you know, well, I, 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 on a bunch of Twitter things I saw, you know, teachers and principals are going, oh, great. I'm going to have some kid walk up and smack somebody at school tomorrow and saying, well, Will Smith did it. You know, hell, I don't know. But anyway, I guess no, it doesn't it, translate like that. God, we, we fucking worry about that stuff. So I, hear much. I hear you. It's funny that it happened in that situation, though. And, you know, the however award shows that were hosted by Ricky Gervais that were where he was like the the indictments on the Hollywood culture in general and nobody came up and decked him so so if Scott Frost Todd if Scott Frost loses nine games by one score again next season what is your response you're gonna are you gonna hit him are you gonna say I'm gonna gonna walk walk up and I'm gonna slap him I'm gonna say don't you ever put my wife's name out of your mouth again or something like that. I don't know, but keep my wife's name out your bleeping mouth. That's it. That's it. You're not, you wouldn't punch him. You know, I, I I don't care. And, and, you know, (sighs) I was listening to talk radio. (laughs) I was listening to apathy's how they get you, Todd. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I, it isn't. Scott Frost is not going to have a line, a nine loss season. He's not going to, it's not going to happen. Maybe you're like probably going to be 10. No, no, it's, it's going to be because if, if it's that bad, there's absolutely no way if there are, if, if the season's on that kind of a trajectory, there's no way that that can go on. And, you know, I, I was listening to a couple of guys talk the other day about what's the number, what's good, what's acceptable, what's not. And, and to be quite honest with you, you know, I'm, I'm not a forecaster. I hate predictions, as you guys well know. But, you know, the, the bottom line is, is that it, it has to go beyond showing improvement. We're in year five, and it has to go beyond being better than we were last year. So if this Nebraska football team doesn't win eight, nine games, then there's no way we can consider this a successful season. And Scott Frost He's he he's got to know that. Okay, a couple things I want to talk about. Um, in in specifically in into that, I was gonna say bull eligible, you know, and and six wins, not five and seven, and, and limping in, you know, on the technicality. Um, but if it is, I'm looking down here, mid October, and their only two wins are to North Dakota and Georgia Southern. And I don't think that's going to be the case because you got Indiana and Rutgers in there and Purdue on the 15th of October and, of course, Northwestern. But if they're two and three or two and four, I guess, at the time, do you cut bait, Todd? I think if they get to five losses before they get to five wins, I think it's – that would be my measuring stick. Okay. And that, that might be a bit of a cop-out, but – um, no, I, I, so. I, I, that's a very again let's let's remind people of the schedule now that we're into it uh dublin ireland northwestern august 27th uh at home against north dakota on september 3rd at home against georgia southern on the 10th at home against oklahoma on september 17th by week then you have indiana at nebraska for homecoming october 1st on the road at Rutgers and Purdue on the 7th and 15th of October, respectively, uh, another bye week after Purdue. Then you have home against Illinois on the 29th, Minnesota's uh, at home on November 5th, 
on the road at Michigan, home against Wisconsin at Iowa to finish things up on good on a not good Friday <laughs> on a Black Friday. Hopefully, it's good. It hadn't been for a number of years, but hopefully, it's good. Um, I think there's definitely a, a conversation, you know, a legitimate, you know, statistical backup where if they are, let's see, one, if if they're not pulling five wins to six wins by the time they get to Minnesota, it is what it is. It's going to be tough sledding on the road at the big house, home against Wisconsin and at Iowa. You know, they need to be bowl eligible, I think, by November, by Minnesota. I would agree. And and that's not taking anything away from the – I think the ability is there. We've seen – them play tough against all of those teams. So I'm I'm not saying you can't win those games. And I think once you get to five, six, maybe seven wins by that point, you've got a really good feel for where you're at, what works and what doesn't. And, and you're not fumbling around trying to find solutions. You have maybe a power rushing game or uh, a speed game. You have, you know, downfield ability running, you know, uh, north and south speed on the defense and we'll talk about uh, a transfer player transfer portal player who's taken his official visit this weekend here in a few minutes but if you are winning by november you know what you need to do to keep winning and at that point i have enough confidence even though we're you know shit seven months out <laughs> you know uh that, that i i'm i feel positive enough going to Michigan, home against Wisconsin, you know, and and then Iowa uh, on the short week to be able to finish the games that that got started last year, you know, um, overcoming our own adversity and getting out of our own way. I think that if you're bull eligible by November, you might have a nine-win season. So let me ask you guys this, and, and I'm, I'm stepping over that line of being one of them, and I've never wanted to be one of them. A Jasker? Not one, not one of you, just one of them. Are either of you guys at all concerned about how many players are not practicing this spring? And players that <clears> – <throat> we would like to believe are going to be pivotal players on the team. No. And I'll tell you why. This is the first I'm hearing about it. <laughs> <laughs> really? I, you know, I, I, There's I don't a follow lot. the, I there don't follow the, the, you have a brand new offense pretty much to learn. And it may not be a brand new offense in terms of all the plays being different, but apparently the terminology is different. So, yeah, that, that's kind of a concern. Top four tight ends. Uh, yeah. None well, of the yeah, top okay. four. Um, your two returning offensive tackles. Um, I, I think that's it on, you know, those are the troubled spots on offense. Defensive line, <laughs> you know, uh, that's, that's a big area of concern anyway, and there's a number of those guys that uh, are, are figured to play prominent roles that, that aren't practicing. Um, I don't know. I it didn't, I didn't even think about that until the other day when I read the top four tight ends are 
not practicing this spring. That's a good point. I think Frost has to, I think he needs to win the West next year. If you're going to call it successful. I mean, if I, I, this is Nebraska football. Okay. This isn't some watered down Scott Frost playground that's considered Nebraska football. And we all have all have lowered our standards because the savior boy got hired and decided, well, he just needs more time or he does let him have all the excuses on the planet. This is still Nebraska football, one of the most winning programs in the history of college football. And if he can't be bothered to win his division, that's one of the crappiest divisions in college football. Why the hell is he sticking around? And why are people keeping him around other than they like going to parties or golfing with him or something? What is the point? I have a very important question I have to ask. Who is the mad scientist that switched yours and Todd's consciousnesses? <laughs> That's what I was wondering. I don't have well, we are in space. <laughs> I did, you know, I I wish the best for him, and I think we have a lot of the pieces, but I thought this same stuff last year. So, you know, the I think the coaching staff is all saying and doing the right things. Uh, honestly, I, I think this probably right now, if uh, they fired Scott Frost, they could just turn to Mark Whipple or Mickey Joseph and say, take over and we wouldn't miss a, a heartbeat. Okay. Maybe a little bit. We'd miss somebody would go. Oh, now what? It's not the savior boy or something. I don't know. They don't, they make excuses for him. Like we have all along. But uh, I, I think there all the pieces are there. And if we don't win this year, I, I don't know. You think that <clears> – so I say bull eligible six wins are better. Todd, you say he's got to have five wins before he has five losses. And, John, mm-hmm. your bar is a little higher, and I'm not disputing that, that he's got to win the West. I think he has to contend for it. And no, if, you said, you mean, said a minute ago he's got to win the West. Let's, yeah, to be a successful season. He needs to contend for it to keep his job. That would be my ball. Mm, okay. You, I, I mean, there's always extenuating circumstances. I mean, like not, like right now, the baseball program, we lost two starting pitchers for the year, right at the beginning of the year. And that is terrible. That is the, you know, not just for those guys getting injured, but it's terrible for your outlook on this season for guys you thought were going to be solid performers and you know have a key part of your team's success so there's always extenuating circumstances it just shouldn't be uh somebody was clapping and it threw my center off or you know we had a great practice and i don't know what what, what, i guess they weren't prepared to go out there this game that if any of that stuff gets said this year uh you know i wouldn't walk up and slap scott frost because uh, i am old and feeble and he is not yeah, I, I and I am I, not that dumb. I am not going to go slap him either because about the time I pick my hand up and start to swing it, he's going to deck me, and <laughs> I do not want to be hit by Scott Frost. And yeah, you know, so are you sure you don't want the distinction of being the one guy who was hit by Scott Frost? No, if I'm going to be that, I'd rather have, I'd rather be the guy that was hit by Nick Saban or you know the guy that was hit by. You know, Dabo Sweeney or, you know, a college football football coach. I'd rather be hit by a (laughs) college. Wow. Holy. I feel like Nick 
Nick Saban limp wrist uh, slaps. I'm just saying. You think he's a limp? Limp I don't think he has like, to worry about it. I maybe, think maybe somebody, not. Man, but I, I think, I think, I he's think he would raise his hand and somebody. I think else Nick Saban's going to be one of those guys that tucks his chin and goes to the body. You know, just. I think we have very different uh, views of <laughs> Nick Saban. So, um, let's talk then about a a transfer portal player who's going to be on campus. Uh, for the spring game, yeah, is that this weekend already, or is that no? Next weekend? What the spring game? Yeah, it's April 9th. Okay, why? Well, I, I, I genuinely didn't know, so I, I, I couldn't remember. I'm sorry, it's not too far away. Oh my John, god, it isn't too far away, John. I made a mistake. Okay, please forgive me if, if, if the rumors are true, and if a, if he's made it this long, and two, if they're true, and there's a, a man of the cloth listening or watching this right now father forgive me <laughs> i've sinned all right i made a mistake but uh I, i'm gonna screw up the name um ochon mathis uh edge russia from uh texas christian university uh is going to be on campus for the uh for his official visit on on the 9th of april for the spring game and we could use a rush end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could. We haven't had one since uh, Randy Gregory, I think. And, and who did we have I last mean, year? Like, you know, honestly, as, as a rush end, Jojo oh, Doman when they put him out there. Ben Stilley, maybe. I was gonna say, and, and Ben Stilley was serviceable, and and you know he he was good enough. I don't think we talked about him last week with Brian, um, but or at least not because he didn't get an invite to the combine, um, but. That's a guy who could surprise people and go late on Saturday. Uh, I think he'll be picked up somewhere. He's got, um, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Maybe I'm a bit of a homer uh, for, for, but he, he reminded me a lot of Brett Kiesel, uh, you know, from BYU who went and played with Nebraska, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers for a number of years. Um, but then uh, Damian Daniels, of course. But you're right. We haven't had like a true rush end since 2013. For I mean, wait, Randy Gregory. How, yeah. how, it's been it's been a long time, and we saw then, and unfortunately, in in the absence of such a player, have have seen that that can really impact defense in a big way, and it was unfortunate that it fell oftentimes too often on Jojo Doman to be that guy because uh, he was so good in, in doing everything defensively that, that uh, Janander said, let's put him everywhere. And again, I, I'm trying not, he, I'm, I'm trying not to over inflate his, you know, ability uh, though. I think he's got a high ceiling, but he was the kind of guy with the kind of motor that, he was utilized, I think, a lot. And I spent a lot of time watching Steeler football, and everybody knows that, uh, of Troy Polamalu, mm-hmm. of just disruptive everywhere on the field. Could, could you know, play, get in the offensive backfield, could, you know, grab an interception, uh, could hit hard. You know, that he reminded me a lot of that different haircut. I, I think that's about the biggest difference between the two. Um, but 
because he was so good, oftentimes he had to play maybe out of position to uh, make up for the fact that we didn't have a true rush end. So um, I, I'm excited for for the visit. I hope everything goes well. And I'll be honest with you, if, if you're going to bring in, in a transfer portal player who you think can make an immediate impact in the fall, uh, you're going to bring him in for any weekend in the offseason. Spring game is a good time to bring him in because yeah. nobody yeah. draws a crowd like he, Nebraska I, spring he, game. I, he would go, you know damn well he'd get on the field immediately. Uh, that's what I said. I mean, he wouldn't even – there wouldn't even be really a question about it. I mean, this guy was uh, 2021 second team all Big 12, uh, started all 12 games last year, four sacks, tied for the team lead at TCU, uh, second with ta- seven tackles for loss, and uh, fifth with 45 tackles, which 45 tackles for a year for a, a rush end is – that's not sucky. You know what I mean? This guy could come to Nebraska and go, but I'm just going to walk in here and start playing. So, and he's 6'5, 235. Um, you know, so he's got good, uh, the, the measurables, you know, like that's a good size for a, for a rush end. You look back, Randy Gregory, that's very comparable to where he was, maybe a little heavier, uh, than Gregory. I think Randy uh, always remind me he's very strong, but also kind of lean. And I'm sure, you know, over time and, and munchies, he, he filled out a little bit more. Um, but 247 does have 100% uh, or, or transfer portal crystal ball leaning 100% towards Texas. But what do they know? They're wrong half the time. Well, so. Isn't Gary Patterson there now? Isn't that where he ended up? I think, yeah, so. yeah you're right. Like as well, a consultant. Here's the there. secret. This is how to get him. We've got to make sure that he goes to Muchachos and has a burrito at Muchachos before the spring game because Muchachos is batting 1,000 on commits. Those that have had a burrito at Muchachos, 100% of them have then committed to play football at Nebraska. So let's let's pull out all the stops. Let's not mess around with this guy talking runs uh, – or anything like that, getting down to Muchachos, get the pipeline burrito down that guy's gullet, and let's make damn sure that he's a Nebraska Cornhusker. I have a question. This is a serious question. Uh, please don't dismiss it. If Muchachos is running a special, a la the buy one burrito, get one free type of special, that's that's available to anybody. And it just, just so happens that O'Shawn Mathis's burrito is free. Does that count as an impermissible benefit? No, because <laughs> Nick at Muchachos would work out some type of NIL agreement, and it would be fine. I like it. So I the opportunities are endless. Uh, if, if you're listening to this, uh, Ochon, Muchachos is the place for you. Not Mahachkos. That's me. I don't have a restaurant, but Muchachos, where you're guaranteed great food, great service, and uh, probably likelihood of signing Nebraska. They should. Somebody should buy a billboard that Casey Thompson. Remember what Casey Thompson said about Texas? He said you're going to get much better meal deals at Nebraska because Texas. they're much more focused. And Texas is just. Plus, he left. You know, he came here. You got to wonder that. You know that. I don't know if Texas and TCU played last year. I'd have to assume that they did. Yeah, they did. Thank you. Uh, so those guys have some familiarity. And he might be able to say, let me tell you about some of the opportunities up here. 
Yeah. Just saying. All right. Uh, so let's move on, shall we? Let's talk about a player who is not going anywhere. And that would be for the Nebraska men's basketball team. And of course, I'm talking about Derek Walker Jr. He's yeah. coming back for more punishment. <laughs> that is uh, that is incredible news. It really is because Nebraska's biggest problem probably has been roster turnover, and to hear that he's coming back as a super senior is uh, well, he has experience. Uh, we got a guy named Blaze Keita. I think his name is Blaze. Yeah, Blaze Keita coming in from Coffeeville. He's from Mali, Africa. I probably butchered that, but anyway, he's 6'10". He's a big guy. He helped Coffeeville win a JUCO national championship. Uh, the, the key to Derek Walker isn't that just that he played well, but that he'll have the experience of playing in the Big Ten as a big guy. And that he can, you know, he'll Blaze Keita will have a mentor. Other t- players that come in now will at least have one year of mentorship from uh, uh, Derek Walker. And Derek Walker really turned out to be. I think a core, really good core player for Nebraska. I mean, he started every game he, I, of the season. Well, um, let's let's talk about some of his uh, accolades from last year. A lot of things that maybe people don't realize when there's, uh, you know, a, a Bryce McGowan's on, on the roster. Uh, started all 32 games, John, like you said, with team's leading rebounder, which is not, you know, unusual for, for the big man. But perhaps most importantly, he shot 68.3% yeah. from the field, uh, which that, that's a new record uh, for Nebraska, single-season record for field goal percentage. That And uh, whoever wrote this article uh, so eloquently stated was previously held by some guy you don't know who played in 75-76. The uh, author of said article available at coronation.com, John Johnston. But yeah, I don't. I, I, nobody remembers. That guy it, does, I'm sure. But it, I don't remember Nebraska basketball in 1975 to 76. This is what happens when I'm reading things. Todd leaves. <laughs> he did. He just dropped off. He, I bet he, wherever he's at, the, the internet just got cut. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, Derek Walker coming back. I mean, it'd really be nice to hear that Trey McGowan is coming back too. So. It, uh, it, Edward, it, Eduardo Andre, Andre is gone in the transfer portal. And um, I, I honestly, I think that's kind of good because I don't think he, I think he improved, but I don't think he improved well enough to be a serviceable big 10 guy throughout the entire season. So uh, if we can upgrade the roster with him leaving, that's, that's great. Really. I think the, the most important thing for, for the men's basketball team. And I, I mean, is just, Roster consistency because they haven't had really had that in the Fred Hoiberg, you yeah. know, era. I don't, I, I, era is kind of overused. So I was trying to think of another word, but his tenure, it, it's just been a ton of turnover. And I obviously we're seeing it now, as you mentioned, uh, Eduardo Andre, uh, Bryce McGowan's, there are, are others for sure, but you got to have some consistency, you got to have something, so some type of, um, like expectation, you know, some, somebody to set the standard, say, Hey, this is where we were. Uh, you know, we had a bad year, but we finished by beating some top teams in the, in the conference. So, um, you know, we just got to keep, you know, we Nebraska just got to like, like, like I'm on the team, uh, but Nebraska has got to keep some, maintain some roster consistency and, 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 uh, start building that foundation. 
Uh, meanwhile, we look at another men's program. This was supposed to be the one that was going to save us and and uh, keep our sanity in the spring. And we alluded to it earlier with uh, the baseball team losing two pitchers right out the gate uh, for unknown periods of time. However, they're still managing to make a few good things happen here and there. They, t- they lost to Creighton, which always sucks. But they did have a, a conference freshman of the week, uh, Garrett Englum. Uh, seven RBIs, uh, hit 500, three doubles, seven RBIs, uh, stole a base, and uh, all in the weekend series against Michigan. So, Yeah, the baseball teams have been, I don't know, disappointing would be – disappointing would be a not strong enough a word i don't want to call it catastrophe but because we're just starting the big 10 season and you never know what's going to happen i don't Mm -hmm. think the big 10 is a it's not a good conference this year at all i mean it's it's really a crappy conference head to toe uh i did you watch it two of the michigan games were on tv this weekend did you watch any of it i did not i didn't know that they were on so i'm i'm bad boy well, I mean, Friday night, uh, Michigan probably should have won, but they gave us, I don't know, 10 walks, three hit by pitches. Uh, they hit Michigan hit four home runs in a row. Was the 13th time that's ever happened in college baseball history. And they lost, and that was the only the second time that's ever happened. But when a team hits four home runs in a row and then loses. So that was weird. And Nebraska seems to be the home of, doing really weird stuff in their sports in the last I mean, two years, year. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, I think it was disappointing that the offense mostly just disappeared against what was not a very good Michigan pitching staff. So, and then the offense didn't do anything. I mean, what they Sunday game was six to one and they were honestly, what the hell? And then against Creighton, I did not watch or listen to that game. I actually was finishing my book. I got my book finished. But uh, lost to Creighton 3-2, to two, and apparently Creighton made so many mistakes we should have pummeled them, and uh, we didn't. No. I we... think part of, that, part of that you could chalk up to we're really young. Part of it you can talk up to uh, the two guys we lost to the pitching staff, and part of it is – you know, we had Mojo Haggy and Luke Roskam for years, for a very a lot long of time. Years. Long you know, time. and I, I, you know, you can say what you want about either of those guys, but I think both of them kind of had a grit to them. You know, I remember last year when Nebraska came up, and you know, remember they were having these pod games mm-hmm. in the Big Ten, and I sat up there and took photos by myself like had an entire section to myself at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. But, I remember seeing those pictures of you. But, you know, there was a few times where Luke Roskam really just was lazy at bat, but then he picked it up after that, and he turned into a guy where you could kind of count on him to get some timely hitting, and Mojo Haggy was just Mojo Haggy. And uh, who are those guys on this team? I think Todd always brings that up when we talk about baseball, the gritty kind of players that are just going to – grind out a hit or something when you need it and they just do mm-hmm. not have it and their offense is really crappy i want to propose and i i wish i had time to look this up i'm not sure if i'm willing to accept your proposal <laughs> you haven't heard it yet okay i mean right now if you look at the big 10 
I mean, it, it's pretty much awful except for Maryland. I mean, Purdue has a really good record at like 16 or 17 and one, but they pretty much haven't played anybody. But uh, Minnesota is at the bottom. And that is John Anderson has been over the last I think, 25 years. He has been a consistently one of the best coaches in the nation, especially for a Northern team. And to see his teams at like three and 15 or something like that is really astonishing. So I am proposing this last year, the big 10 didn't allow baseball to play any non-conference games, which means they lost all their midweek games. And all they got to do was play a conference schedule. All right. Well, everybody that follows college baseball knows that those midweek games are specifically so you can play players who aren't part of the regular rotation. So you can see what get your pitchers some experience and get them out there against mm-hmm. other teams. Every team knows that. So if since we didn't play any of those games last year, we just threw away an entire year of development because uh, our conference does not give a single shit about baseball. And if you think about it, realistically, two. Uh, because they didn't play in 2020, you know, that season got shut down. Yeah. Um, and then you're absolutely right. It, it was, uh, it, it was an opportunity. Like, look, they can practice, but you don't get, everybody knows this. Uh, I, I'm speaking cliches here or, or, or common sense, but you don't get the same out of practice that you do out of a game. So you don't know how different players are going to handle, you know, live uh, game situations. That decision, while at the time they might have, you know, it, it was very short-sighted, I, I think might be the, the most concise way to say it, because look at where the conference is now. You have a lot of players who are lacking, you know, three, four months of experience from playing those midweek games. Yeah. I think it, it really hurts a lot. Um, I was going to say I might slap Kevin Warren. <laughs> but then he'd he you know he'd do that he'd do that bureaucracy thing where it'd go, oh, yeah, and then it'd be a tragedy and nightmare and he'd flop is that what you're saying yeah he would <laughs> let me on uh before we head i do want to talk about one team that's having some success john yes let's talk about that softball team well, they crushed Creighton 15 to nothing running. It was glorious. Uh 22 and 9 so far on the year, 2 and 0 in conference play. Um they they had they're winning more at home, uh winning more on the way, winning more in, on neutral sites. Uh they the the conference games that they play. First of all, I don't know what the men's schedule or what the men's uh actual uh, record is. But you look at uh, they they went out and and they they beat ranked Michigan in two of the three games that the, the third game got canceled. Then you your nose uh, on the head right right here or, or whatever um, nose on the head that makes too much sense. They short game Creighton, which I didn't realize that you know run rules were a thing in college athletics, but that's tremendous to run rule Creighton. Uh, and then they're back out uh, on at home this weekend against Rutgers. Uh, next weekend against Michigan State on the road. Uh, Iowa's in for a, a, a doubleheader midweek, um, which is odd, but it is what it is. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're thick into 
the Big Ten schedule, and they've already beat what what I think many are, are considering the best team in the Big Ten uh, in Michigan. So uh, Ronda Ravel and and her squad have have a, a lot of positive momentum, and it's it's really fun to you know we don't talk about them enough. We should because as it is in Nebraska, the women's sports are the good one. So we should probably just start focusing more on on them and ignore the men. Todd's back. So Todd, we talked about baseball. I know you've been going to a lot of the games. You missed it. We're not going back. We don't backtrack. We don't rehash. Sorry. You missed it. Next time get better internet. Uh, That's all the time we have for the show this week. Hey, Todd, what's going on with this baseball team? Well, you said it earlier, the two starting pitchers are out, but it's a bigger issue than that. They can't hit. Bigger issue. They can't hit. And if, you know, the, the pitching got off to a rocky start at the beginning of the season, but, um, and, and I'm not going to say the, the pitching's great either, but when you take a look at the fact that there are, there have been games where the lineup has had five freshmen in the starting lineup, you, you put five freshmen out there against a team like Michigan, who has, you know, a significant number of four year and five year seniors out there. Um, that's going to make it tough. Look at the batting order. Coach Bolt has tried, you know, darn near everything uh, to to generate some kind of offense short of putting Matt Anderson on the bench. He's about the only one of the, you know, returners that's, uh, uh, you know, been a solid player, but this year he's he's not hitting up to snuff. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It was I, – I, I counted him up the other day, and I can't be sure what it was, but the game I was at when they put the opening, you know, the starting lineup out there – I think Nebraska had four or five guys in the starting lineup that were hitting under 200, under 200. That's, that's horrible, horrible. That, that's Greg Mahochko territory right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, um, that is, is not good. And, you know, the, the errors that they make on defense, it's, it's just a team that lacks leadership. It lacks the, the um, it, it doesn't it lacks Mojo to- Haggy. Well, you might be right there. Um, Luke Roscom. <laughs> well, while you, you know, while you were gone, Todd, uh, John floated two theories uh, of of one of them being specific to Nebraska, and that was the the gritty players, the 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 yeah. Haggies and the Roscoms, and the other being, uh, and I think a lot of people forget about this is no, the Big Ten did not allow midweek you know, non-conference games last year. And then if you go back two years ago, there was no baseball because that was the, you know, when the pandemic first started. So John theorized and I, I don't have any reason to doubt. I never doubt John. Uh, he's the <laughs> wisest, most knowledgeable man of all time. Uh, but <laughs> he's wondering if lightning is going to strike him. Um, that, the, w- without all that extra ability to, you know, get live game uh, experience that a lot of these guys, not in Nebraska is not the only one. He mentioned Minnesota uh, and, and the conference as a whole, really it, it was a short-sighted decision to remove the non-conference schedule last year because uh, the big 10 seems to be maybe uh, falling behind a little bit this year. I don't disagree with that. I think that has had an impact, but I, but I will say, you know, it's, it's everyone. I mean, it's just not Nebraska that suffered because right. of that. And, you know, um, there the are. Conference times, isn't good. 
Pardon? The conference is not good. I don't think it's that good either, but I'll tell you what, Michigan looked damn good this weekend with the exception of their defense. And, you know, they, they, they've won in spite of themselves. Now they're pitching. They have older players, right? They they have older players. Okay. Then if you took, if you took the big 10 and you looked at them and said, who replaced most of like their pitching staff in the last year or two years, those are the teams that are most affected by the fact that they didn't have any development. Yes. Because right now, right now, Michigan's playing well. Iowa's got a veteran pitching staff. And uh, I think Purdue's got a fairly, I, I haven't paid that close attention to Purdue. But again, you know, when, when you take Jake Buns and Kyle Perry um, out of the lineup, you know, before, before we're a third of the way in the season, you know, those are two arms, two left-handed arms that they were counting on. And um, it's, it's very unfortunate. Um, Shea Shanneman is, you know, he's pitching well. But on the games, you know, about two out of every three games, he gets no offensive support. Um, you cannot put a team where you have two guys hitting above 300, two, only two, and you have four or five guys that are hitting under 200. That's horrible. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take to get those guys, you know, to get the offense turned around. So. It, break, it breaks down your pitching staff, doesn't it? It sure does. I mean, they, you, you ask them to go out there and basically take a game on by themselves, and and yep. they know they okay, great. I have to do everything because my offense sucks. There's there's some firepower in the bullpen, but it's young, and young and inconsistent. And uh, you know that kid that they trotted out there last night, Jelkin against uh, Creighton. You know he's got he's got magic in that arm, but um, he doesn't have the swagger. He doesn't have the confidence, you know, they, Nebraska, when Nebraska's pitchers have that swagger, have that strut, like that kid that threw the final few innings for Creighton last night, then Nebraska is going to have some. Um, when they have guys that play the kind of baseball, that gritty, hard-nosed baseball, like Nebraskans have seen, uh, you know, for quite a few years, Mojo Hagee, um, God, I'm drawing a blank. Who the hell was the center fielder last year? My memory is so dang bad. Um, ah, can't, can't think of his it name. It wasn't Luke Roskam. No, well, Luke Roskam <laughs> was a good, you know, Luke was my favorite player on that yeah. team last year. I loved watching Luke Roskam yeah. play. Um, I got to stop Luke you right Brian, there, Todd. And, and this is very important. Anytime you have a sports team and they have a player named Mojo, Mojo is your favorite player. I like redheaded left-handed hitters. I'm partial. <laughs> Very specific. I'm partial to redheaded left-handed uh, hitters. Does your wife know? We have not had that conversation yet. I, I'm sorry. I had to interrupt your, your you know what? The baseball team, with my foolishness. I still think the baseball team, you know, I, I got to believe they're going to find their group. I got to believe that things are going to quite start clicking because there is talent. Where have we heard this? What sports team have we heard if there was just some consistency because we've got some talent, you know? Um, Women's volleyball. There. Yeah. Well, Core Jackson, 
Core Jackson, the kid from Canada, he's going to be a hell of a good player. Luke Jessen, he's going to be a really good player. This kid that pinch hits from uh, Johnston, Iowa, Swanson, that kid, that kid has got pop in his bat. Garrett Anglum, you know, those guys are going to be very, very good baseball players. They need some seasoning, though. And unfortunately, Cam Chick, who, you know, Cam, he's a, he's a gritty ball player. You want a gritty ball player. Cam Chick's a gritty ball player. Hell, he's hitting 188 or something like that, you know? That's why. why so is do that? you think, do you know. think, kind of with all the names that you just uh, mentioned there, Todd, do you think that while we don't want to write this season off, that this is something of rebuilding to, potentially bigger, better things next year. Like you're going to have to suffer through, you know, obviously the injuries are what they are, you know, and, and that sucks, but, you know, you mentioned a lot of young talent, uh, Garrett Anglum, you know, for one, we just talked while you, while you decided to abandon us for a short time there, we talked about him being the big 10 freshman of the week, but uh, uh, you know, so there's a lot of young talent, like you said, just needs some seasoning while we're not writing off 2022, we can look ahead to next year and see, you know, brighter horizon ahead. Yeah, I, I think we can, but, and I'm not writing off 2022. I oh, think, no, I, and I don't think we should, no. Yeah, I think this team somehow will find their groove. I think they will because, um, you know, the pitching, the, the, I've got more confidence in the pitching right now than, I, and, and a lot of people will criticize that but I got more confidence in the pitching than I do the, the, the offense. And, you know, um, it's hard to believe that the whole team is in a slump. Um, but I, I, I got a sense that things are going to open up. I, I, I do. So, you know, you, you talked about softball. Yeah. You know, that's when I finally got back in here. Um, Coach Ravel's got those kids playing good. I mean, they are playing right. really good and to knock off, to win two games in Michigan against, you know, I think they were a 19th ranked team up there. Correct. Yes, sir. Holy, holy, yes. That's, that's as good as it's been for Nebraska softball in a long time. And, you know, Carol Hutchins, she's a legend as far as, you know, she's, she's, she's Mount Rushmore of college softball coaches. And she's, she has a lot of respect for Ronda Ravel. When Ronda Ravel was going through some, you know, a rough spot a few years ago, Carol Hutchins was very much in her corner. Um, and, and she's, she's first class all the way, but Michigan is good. Nebraska beat a very good softball team on their home field twice. So good for them. Uh, I, I think the difference with the softball team this year is, you know, they, they've got those, uh, they got a couple of young players that, well, what they're in the top five or something like that in the country for home runs. And, um, those two sisters, the Andrews, I think it's Andrews, isn't it? Maybe Bailey Andrews. Eh, I should do my homework before I come on. Those, okay. Those, okay. those girls can hit the ball. And more importantly, the veteran pitchers are, are keeping Nebraska in ball games. Nebraska's not losing games because of their pitching. And that's been the case the last two or three years. The pitching has let the team down. Well, okay. They're going to be in the regional softball teams in the regional. They'll get there. No question in my mind. Billy and Brooke Andrews. You're right. Yep. The sisters, the sisters. 
Not twins? Not twins. No, I think one's a sophomore, one's a freshman, maybe. one Junior and sophomore. Junior and sophomore. Brooke, Brooke and Billy, respectively. Yeah. So. And that's terrific. Uh, and, and we, yeah, we're just going to have to start making the Five Heart Podcast the Nebraska Women's Athletics Podcast because <laughs> they're the good teams right now. And do we become the five? Do we become the Break Your Heart Podcast if we're going to talk oh, about man. women? Is that? Oh. The, no. Was your heart broken? Is My this heart, where you're going to give us date dating tips? It, well, is don't do it. Just don't. Is it, don't date. Is this why you're recording from a hotel room secretly? <laughs> Listen, Greg, I got to tell you. I'm, I'm all ears. Oh, God, he's leaning forward with that kind of thing you guys do at the bar when they're like, I want to leave you, son of a bitch. Greg, you're going to have to come and spend a weekend at my house, my apartment. And you need to have late night conversation with Mrs. Tammy Wolverton. All right. John has done that on occasion. I'm and a better man for it. <laughs> after you have late night conversation with Tammy Wilberton, you'll have newfound respect for me. And you will understand the way the world really works. So I invite you. Does she have a shoulder bag or a clutch? I'm trying to figure out what purse she keeps your balls in. I sacrificed those about 30 years ago. Yeah, I've put in about half my time. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, that's enough testicular talk for one week. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Five wait, Heart Pot. Wait. Oh. wait. I have a book. My book is done. It's up for pre-order on Amazon. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's for heart attack survivors. There you go. That's all I wanted to say. I needed to get. I'm I'm sorry. The one time I didn't overtly plug your second book, manage your damage. (laughs) The thing behind John's boobs. I don't think anybody's got this far in this. If they did, I've really, I'd really like to hear from them. I really, honest to God, would like to hear anybody that got this far into this podcast after I just go, oh, Will Smith. And then it's all, it's just shit. I just turned it into shit right at the beginning, didn't I? We, we salvage it, John. That's what we do. Okay. Uh, but no, that, that's a good, that's a good point. If you're watching this on YouTube and you've had enough, put in the comments the time code of when you're like, no, I'm done. <laughs> Right before you leave, you hit pause if you're tired of listening to John um, <laughs> and put in, you know, like 337 or 5337, whatever it is. John wants to know when you've had enough. He wants to know your breaking point. <laughs> so with that being said, I'm going to try to close the show again. This has been the Five Heart Podcast a coronation.com production, part of the SB Nation podcast network. I want to thank uh, almost all the time here, Todd Wolverton, uh, for joining us and then departing and then finding his way back. That's all about life. That, that's what life is. It's just finding your way finding back. Finding your way back. Yep. 
for uh, our founder, fearless leader, and uh, teddy bear aficionado. And you take that exactly how you want to take that. John Dem Johnston and his <laughs> and his teddy bear. No, I'm not going to name the teddy bear. I thought oh, she no. was going to go insane. Normally, when I go in, when I slap the teddy bear like that, the dog goes completely ballistic. And this time, she just maybe you heard her a little bit go moo, but she usually well, we, turns we, into like an explosion. We can't That's see really the dog because you're in what space. The hell? You're not even with me. What? We can't see the dog because you're in space. Yeah. So we didn't know. We just thought you were slapping a, a teddy bear to get it ready for the rough stuff. I guess I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm Greg Mahachko signing off. Maybe for the last time. Uh, this is the Five Heart Podcast, where we remind you this week and every week that five heart and one teddy bear apparently is all the heart you need. John, go big rat. Todd. I have nothing else to say. I'm just glad you didn't say anything that was trademarked like the final frontier. Goodbye, everybody. This has been another soft-spoken broadcast from coordination.com.